Good morning, Greater Alton. Welcome everybody out. Uh, we are in the middle, as Alan talked about earlier, about a series called Empowered. And we are talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's one, the Holy Spirit is one of these topics that we believe we have neglected. We believe, we, we, we just got done with the series on the resurrection and the effect the resurrection should have on our lives as believers and the way we think. And uh, as we were in the middle of that series, Alan and I discussed it and said, we've got to talk about the Holy Spirit next. And specifically with, uh, I believe that that conversation or that decision to talk about the Holy Spirit came out of when we talked about the power that comes from the resurrection. And is because when you look in the New Testament and you look at power or you, and you look at the Holy Spirit, they were often closely, very much connected. In fact, I'm going to have to say they're inseparable. Whenever you see the Holy Spirit activity, it's with power. It's not something really behind the scenes or, or something that's, uh, um, what do I want to say? Something that's done quietly. It's something that, that is done and there's power. And even when you look through the New Testament and you look through various passages, when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, power is often mentioned with it. And in some of these passages, I want to read one. The first one is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's not in your notes. It's not on the screen. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I forgot. There's nothing in your notes today, is there? You wondering what's up with that? I forget who it was. Uh, somebody asked me, it says, I guess you ain't got nothing to say. I said, well, the challenge is, do you have anything to write down? And uh, guys, I just it's one thing I've been wanting to do for a while. And I decided when we were doing this lesson, this series on the Holy Spirit, that I would do it at least once during the series. And that is, we're going to leave the notes blank. And you write down whatever the Holy Spirit moves you to write down. Okay? I don't want you to be locked into, well, this is the only thing Gary had to say and I didn't get anything out of it. The Holy Spirit may want to tell you, may spur a thought or a conviction off what I have to say, or may speak to you and I may reference a verse and you go look it up. And you want to remember either the verse or what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and, and you write it down. I don't want to limit you to just my thoughts. And so for today, what you write down is between you and God. You may not write anything down and that's okay. You may fill the page and want more space. I'm not sure. But guys, that's the purpose in that. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I wanted to let you know that. We will have some Scriptures up on the screen. But the first Scripture I wanted to mention is in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And what's where the apostles were told by Jesus that they're to stay in Jerusalem until they receive power. And that came in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit showed up. Our key passage today, or our... our passage we're, we're taken off from is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. And it says, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Because right there in the first verse there, he says, 
Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that they would be strengthened with power through His Spirit. Guys, that is God's desire for every follower of Jesus. That they live their life strengthened with power through His Spirit. Now, I did a series talking about power uh, six or eight weeks ago. I don't even remember which. And I talked about that power is the ability to do something. And when it comes to really living the life the way God wants us to live, I believe most of us, at one time or another, come to a point where we feel powerless. Whether it's, whether it's a particular sin, such as an addiction, that we go, I can't do anything about this. And you can't stop it. Or whether it's a feeling, maybe you've been hurt. And you feel like, I cannot forgive the other person. I cannot let go of this grudge. And you feel powerless. Guys, I just have to tell you, that's not how God intended for followers of His to live. And that's what this passage is saying. He wants us to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. And so guys, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you have to talk about power. Another passage is in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys go through your day and you think about, wow, I've got a lot of hope. You know, if you go back to last November and the day after the election, half the people in this country felt pretty hopeless. Now, it would have been that way regardless of who had been elected, so I want to make sure you know I'm not taking sides here. But guys, when we go through life, there's a bunch of junk in this world that we can't do anything about, that we really don't have much hope of it changing. Do you really have much hope that Illinois is going to have a balanced budget and get out of debt? No. And guys, that's not my major concern, because I don't have anything to do about that. But I believe there's a lot of things that challenge us having hope. There's a lot of obstacles to having a faith that says things are going to be better. There is a reason to be excited about life. There is a reason to be full of joy. That's what hope is. And you look at that and you go, well, I don't have any control over that. Guys, the Holy Spirit gives hope. And that's by, by His power. Another passage that further illustrates this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 4-6, through six, it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our Gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You see, here Paul's talking to the Thessalonians and he's reminding them of when they first heard the Gospel, of when they first accepted the Gospel, and he's talking about it came uh, not only with, with words, but with power, the Holy Spirit, and conviction. And he goes on to point specifically 
So this power of the Holy Spirit resulted in them being joyful in the midst of severe suffering. You see, guys, that blows my mind. In the in the course of preparing for this lesson, I was uh, I I did doing some research and I looked at a YouTube video. We've shown it here at Greater Alton several years back, but uh, most of you probably remember the Columbine school shooting. It was in 1999. Hard to believe, isn't it? 18 years ago, where two teenage boys walked in and killed 13 people and wounded another 24. And the video is about the father of the very first victim. And the very first victim, she was killed. They walked up to her. The two shooters walked up to her and they were targeting people who believed in God. And they asked her, do you believe in God? And she said yes, and they shot her three times. And then in the chaos, they noticed she was still alive. So they walked back up to her and said, well, what about now? Do you still believe in God? And she calmly said yes, and they shot her in the temple. And that was the first victim. And so this video is of the father. Now what goes on is her brother, the girl that was killed, her brother was in the library, watched his two best friends, or two of his best friends, get shot, blood all over him from them, and the shooters get distracted and don't shoot him. He survives, but needless to say, is severely traumatized for over a year. And on the video, the father is talking, and you know what he's talking about? Forgiveness. And he talked about, I mean, very early on, he is interviewed by Maria Shriver on national TV, and he says, our family has chosen forgiveness in this matter. How do you do that? Does anybody look at that and go, how do you do that? And how do you choose that so quickly? Guys, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Those were believers in Jesus who did that. Guys, this is the power that we are talking about. How do you experience joy in the midst of severe suffering? The power of the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, now though it's very evident when you go through the New Testament, it's not a given. What do you mean by that, Gary? It's not a given. Well, just because you, be, you become a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you're just instantly, woohoo! And the Holy Spirit doesn't let you be discouraged or be sad because now you're full of joy and full of hope. That's not how the power works. I wish it did. I really do. But it's, it's, and I hesitate to use this word. I say it's an option. What do you mean it's an option? Well, what I mean by that is you choose whether or not you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit or not. Okay, you decide. Now, I want to be very clear. God doesn't say, oh, it doesn't matter to me whether you live your life with this power or without this power. Okay, one of the passages we're going to read in Romans chapter 8 says, You don't live according to the Spirit. You cannot please God. But you have the choice of whether... That's that's the way God has set the world up. He's given us the ability to choose. And when you go through the various places in the New Testament, 
Uh, Romans 8 is one of them that we're going to be reading about in a little bit. Colossians 3 we're going to reference. We talked about last week. Galatians 5 is another place. And it goes on and on where the writer of the letter gives a very clear description that you have a choice. You're either going to live according to your sinful nature or according to your flesh or you're going to live according to the Spirit. Guys, that's the choice that's there. Now guys, one of the things, I don't know how to title this. Like I told you, I, I kind of decided I'm just going to do this a little different and, uh, and look through it. But guys, one of the things that you've got to understand about the, Holy, the, the power of the Holy Spirit as we are talking about it is that it has one very clear purpose. The power of the Holy Spirit that these verses are talking about is the power to have your life transformed. What does that mean? That means God wants you to be something different than you are right now. Okay? All of us by nature are sinners. That's why we talk about those, those various passages where it says you have a choice between living by your sinful nature or living by the Spirit. And just because the Holy Spirit is in your life and is available to you, it doesn't overwhelm you and make you where you can't sin anymore. You choose. How are you going to choose? You need to understand, I think I find it very helpful to understand that God is trying to transform me. He is trying to renew me. He is trying to restore me to, to the type of human that He originally intended us to be. And that is the work, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. That helps me to understand that because typically I kind of like the way I am for the most part. Anybody else with me? You know, my wife used to, used to tell me, and I think I'm going to get this right, she used to tell me, you think your way is the best way. Well, yeah, I do. That's why it's my way. I think I'm going to choose the worst way to do something. And that was a source of constant conflict in our marriage was because it took me a number of years to realize, well, so do you. If you didn't, you'd, you'd follow my way. You think your way is the best. And guys, that's the way we are. We think our way of, of living life is the best way there is. And we tend to resist transformation. We tend to resist being transformed into something else. Last week I gave a, a passage where it talked about clothing yourself with humility and compassion and gentleness and kindness. And when I looked at the list, I thought 95% of men look at that list and go, really? That's not a natural desire to be gentle compassionate, and kind. You know, you don't see those attributes. We're men. We're supposed to be rough, rugged, tough. And those characteristics of God, I tend to resist. And so me understanding and accepting that God is trying to transform me into something I'm not. More specifically, transform me to the way He intended 
makes me want to work with Him. And it makes me want to embrace Him. You see, guys, most of us want to look at the power of the Holy Spirit kind of like a genie in a bottle, right? We want to rub the side, the genie pop out and say, do what I want. Make everything better. And we, let's be honest, we approach God that way, don't we? Make my spouse better the way I want. Make my boss better. My life easier. That's the way we tend to approach God. Guys, look at this passage in Titus chapter 3. And this illustrates what God's trying to do with us here. We begin in verse 3. It says, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Father appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And guys, I really just want to focus in on verse 5, where it says we were saved through the washing of rebirth and renewal. That word renewal means to restore to its original state. That is what the Holy Spirit is after in your life. It doesn't want you to be the sinner you've been for your whole life. It doesn't want your sinful nature to exist at all. Though that's not going to happen until after Jesus comes back. That that's going to be completely gone. You need to understand that if you have a choice, and that that's what the Holy Spirit's leading you to, the question leads me to, do I want that power in my life? If the power of the Holy Spirit is to transform me, you've got to ask, do I want that power? Do I want to be different? You see, guys, you have to make a decision of whether you're going to take advantage of that power or not. God wants you to have that power. It's there. It's available to you. But you have to decide. You have to choose. Guys, it's not my power, but I have a part in deciding whether that power is going to be active in my life. And that power is really twofold. My part is really twofold. Because I believe most of us go through life one way. And that is we try to go through life by our own power. We try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Let me just ask a fun question. How many of y'all in here have never heard of Zig Ziglar? Come on. Young people have never heard of Ziglar. I'm guessing under 30. Okay. Zig Ziglar is a positive mental attitude speaker from the 70s and 80s. And he was it. I mean, with a name like Zig Ziglar, what else are you going to do, right? And guys, when you, you I, I, I used to listen to his tapes and would get extremely motivated. It was extremely exciting. He would say, you can be all you are meant to be. And ultimately, though he did reference God... Ultimately, 
his message was, you can do this on your own power. Get with it. That's what you took out of it. And you would make lists of the good things you were going to do and the bad things you were going to stop. And off you would go. And if everybody that had went to his seminar had listened to him and was able to put it into practice, this world would be a mighty different place right now. You know that? And that guy that wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People would never existed because everybody would have listened to Zig. But guys, we tend to want, our tendency is to live our life under our own power. As a follower of Jesus, we're not to live our life under our own power. We're to live it under the influence of the Spirit. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. About that's what God wants us to live. Look at this. I have two passages for you. The first one's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. And it says, this is Paul talking. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. See guys, the Apostle Paul was a guy who was extremely educated for his time. And he was trained as a speaker. He did public speaking on a routine, regular basis. We see later uh, in the book of Acts where he's rather eloquent when he's on trial and he's defending himself. But he says when he went to the Corinthians, he didn't want to rely upon his own power. And you see, guys, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It allows things to happen without us relying on our own power. Look at this other passage here in Romans chapter 7. It says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to Him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. See guys, what he's talking about there is that there used to be a, a law. A written law that the Jewish people followed. It was from God. But the problem with this written law is that it was basically one of its designs was to show you, you can't never do everything right on your own. You can't, it, that was one of its points or its reasons for existing. Paul goes in to talk about later in, in Romans chapter 7, he talks about, I didn't know what some sins were till I read about them in the law. And then once I read about them, they made me want to do them. Several years ago, my wife and I, we, uh, we had two young boys from church here and we were taking them for the 4th of July over to her folks. And uh, we, we had a Wednesday night service. We left here. We went to Missouri and bought fireworks. And we were driving to Illinois. We were stopping for gas. And these two little guys, we also had a brand new TV, a big screen TV we were giving to my father-in-law. Uh, and we, were, we had it in the back of the pickup truck. And we were going to try to hide it from him for a day or so till we were going to give it to him at his party. I don't remember what it was. 
around the 4th of July while we were giving it to him. But we were going to put it in the garage. We had this all planned out. And I was worried about these two little kids blowing it. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, how do you explain the TV in the back of the car or back of the truck? And how do you tell them not to do it? So we just told them. I said, guys, here's what's going on. This TV is for Susan's dad. Uh, We're going to give it to him tomorrow or the next day, whatever. You're not to tell them. If you tell them, I'm taking your firecrackers. There was silence. And all of a sudden, one of them spoke up. Some of you remember Cody Liley. And Cody says, you know, Gary, if you hadn't have told us about that, we, I wouldn't have been able to tell him. You know, if you wouldn't have told me that TV was his, why would you tempt me? Until you laid down the law, I wasn't tempted to break the law. And you could tell that Susan, Susan at the time goes, man, you could tell he was just struggling like, oh crap, I'm going to lose my firecrackers now. There's no way around this. That's what he's saying the law is like. You can try all you want to do everything in the law, but you're going to fall short. You can't keep it all. You can't do it all on your own strength and your own power. You see, guys, but when Christ died, we now live in the new way of the Spirit. And it says that literally, sin has lost its power. See, guys, that's the truth of the matter. Look at this in Romans chapter 8. Let me read this to you. It's in Romans chapter 8. We're going to read the first eight verses. It says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot Please, God. See, guys, you have to decide how you're going to live. If you're going to experience the power, you have to decide if you're going to try to do it on your own or you're going to have to do it through the Holy Spirit by living under its influence, living according to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, however you want to put it. Are you going to live your life that way or are you going to try to do it on your own? That is your choice. Secondly, guys, I'm going to have to take some action. I have got to take some action. Look at this passage in Colossians 3. We looked at this last week. It says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You see, guys, if you're going to experience the power, some things are going to have to die in your life. You're going to have to put them to death. That's what Paul says here. Guys, if you are going to live by the power of the Spirit, you will put to death something in your life right now. And let me tell you, you may, it may be obvious to you. You know, the things here that are on this list are they, they're pretty obvious. Immorality, impurity, lust, greed. They show up very clearly. There's other things that aren't really so clear that they have to show up. One of the things for me right now is that uh, God didn't tell me specifically, hey Gary, you need to get a spine. You need to have a backbone. He didn't tell me that. But yes, this Wednesday, Tim told me I was developing a backbone. And he was what he was referencing, um, Tim and Alan and I would get together on Wednesday mornings, and now we are going through a process of what I am calling developing a unified vision. We are, we are going through what we believe the church should be like. And we are looking at how we agree on things. We are agreeing on things. Because anybody knows when you get different personalities in a room, not everybody agrees. And so it was, it was a couple months ago, um, I don't remember, I don't even remember what the discussion was. We had a discussion that concerned me. And so I got up the next morning and I was still thinking about it. And I sat down and I, I wrote an email. I said, guys, I just, I just can't stop thinking about what happened yesterday. And I think we were at a very critical point with Greater Alton and with our eldership and how we do things. And I went on to say, guys, I believe that God has been working at Greater Alton to do something here for a number of years, and I believe He wants to see that through to completion. And I believe that if we're going to do that, we've got to be very deliberate in what we choose to believe about each other and about what God's doing and about the church. Alan told me when he first got the email, and before he opened it, he goes, Gary, what have you done? He's a little concerned about it. Now we point back to that email as being the beginning that's moving us in a good direction. Tim referred to that email Wednesday as Gary got a backbone. Okay? Guys, you know what I was doing? I was putting off being wishy-washy. I was putting off not standing up. I was putting off not saying what I think. All I saw it is, I believe this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. You see guys, that's what happens when you live by the Spirit. It will move you to do things you don't necessarily plan on doing. It's going to move you to take some action. It may mean that you speak to your spouse differently. It may mean that you speak to your co-workers differently. 
It may mean that you hold your tongue and don't say anything to either of them. Guys, I, I promise you that if you choose that you want to embrace this power, you are going to have to take some action. You're going to have to take some action. And you see, guys, uh, I'm going to close out with just talking about how do I experience this power. Number one, I just, I mean, in two quick things. One is, I've got to desire it. We've talked about this the last two weeks. Alan talked about thirsting to be filled with the Spirit. I talked about last week living by the Spirit. I said you got to want to. You have to desire it. Do you, and I, I ask the question, guys. Do you want to be transformed into a different person? It's much easier if you do. Otherwise, you will fight it. You will resist it. And I ask that question, guys. Do you want to be radically different? There's two passages I want to look at here real quick. Uh, in First Peter chapter 1 and First Peter chapter 2. The first one says, Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. The other one says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and aliens to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. I asked the early service, I said, Who wants to go live in a foreign country? Nobody did. I mean live. Leave here, go live there. And there was a variety of reasons why. Language was a big one. You're familiar with things. You're, you're familiar with customs. And, and to experience that on a daily basis for the rest of my life where everything is so different. I, I don't really want to do that. But yet God is telling me that that's how I need to live my life now. That when I'm living by the Spirit now, guess what? It's foreign to this world around us. And guys, that is what God is calling us to do. Most of us spend our lives trying to fit in, don't we? We don't want to stand out. We want to be like everybody else. So guys, if you're going to let God transform you, it's going to transform you to where you literally think differently than everyone else around you. You act differently than everyone else around you. And you want to know how different is it? That's a whole lesson in itself. In, in Titus chapter 1, Paul's talking to Titus and he, he's left him on an island of Crete. Is that an island? Did I say that right? Okay. And he tells them, he says, one of their own philosophers has wrote, he's talking about the Cretans, that they're all evil brutes and gluttons. Is that correct? I'm paraphrasing him. Talks bad about them. This is the way they are. And he goes, it's true. It's true. Guys, when you look at us as Americans, how would you characterize us? My wife has a saying. She says, we're fat, lazy Americans. And what she means by that is we like stuff to come easy. We like it in excess. 
God tells us to be different. He expects us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and that will result in us living our life as a foreigner in this world. To look different. Guys, you've got to desire that. You've got to understand that's what God desires and you have to accept that's what I choose that as your desire. Secondly, guys, there has to be a willingness. You've got to be willing to take that action. And guys, I don't know where you're at today. I hope you're challenged. I hope you look at this and go, I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want this transformation that Jesus talks about, that God talks about, that Paul is talking about. And that you're willing to allow Him to work. Let's pray and we'll be done. Alright? Father, I am very excited about this Holy Spirit that You've given us. Father, I'm excited and embarrassed at the same time. I'm embarrassed that we haven't paid attention to it more. I'm excited about what I'm learning. And Father, I'm excited about what I believe I'm going to see as a result of our focus on this. Father, as individuals in this audience and and members of this church who aren't here today, Father, pay attention to this Holy Spirit that You have given us. Father, I believe You are truly going to transform us individually and collectively. Father, I want the world around us to see Your power on display. And Father, that will be on display as we, Father, choose as we desire to live under Your influence and are willing to follow You. Father, I just want to pray right now that You touch hearts to see what's available and stir those hearts to a desire and willingness. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.